Hi, friends. We're back with more bonus birthday content. In honor of Eating Disorder Awareness Week in 2023, I went live on Instagram with dietitian Anna. Anna Sweeney is the eating disorder dietitian I worked with to start my healing journey. It was such a powerful and important conversation that we wanted to repackage the audio and release it as a bonus podcast episode. I share some aspects of my eating disorder recovery journey that I have not shared publicly before during this conversation. You may even recall Anna from an earlier podcast recording titled Moving Back Into Your Body. I do want to say that there is a bit of a trigger and content warning for this episode, as there is some discussion of eating disorders and behaviors, weight stigma and medical bias, as well as some minor explicit language. But please go ahead and give it a listen. And if you are struggling, please know there is help out there. Recovery is possible. Food freedom and body acceptance is possible. I wish you well. Happy Sunday! It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Getting ready to talk to my friend Teresa about Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Thinking about everybody here. I'm very dressed up for you all, and I'm really excited. Hey! Hey! Oh, you are you are glam and ready. I. You know what? Can I tell you a secret? Please. It's like- Left over from yesterday. <laughs> no, yeah, you have no idea how happy that actually <laughs> makes me. I, I've been thinking about different ways to talk about like the rea- so your life story is different from mine. But one of the realities of chronic illness and disability is like, there are days that I go to sleep. And I'm like, shit, didn't wash my face last night. Mm-hmm. Fresh lipstick on, but the rest of it was left over. Well, <laughs> Excellent. Got nothing. Got nothing. But I'm so happy to be talking to you. Hi, Teresa. Good morning. Happy Sunday, Doc. I'm excited to chat with you too. <laughs> so where do you wanna where do you wanna go? I'm I'm cognizant of the fact that we are starting Eating Disorder Awareness Week next week. Like r- right now. Yeah. Like yeah. I think is it today or does it start tomorrow? Tomorrow. No, oh, I think it's next. Isn't it the twenty seventh through March fifth? I think it's next week. But I'm considering like every day should be eating disorder awareness. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm with you. I am with you. So I'm wondering where you kind of want to start today's conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's been quite a, quite a journey, I think. And I think we need to talk more about it, obviously. I mean, the statistics around eating disorder, eating disorder awareness is, I mean, it's just tremendous. I was looking at some statistics this morning, refreshing my memory. It's estimated 28.8 million folks have an eating disorder of some sort like that. It's in the States alone, right? And I think that number, I think it's an outdated number because of the fact that what we saw come out of kind of 2020, um, those numbers hopped a lot, lot higher. And that was simply based on the fact that people had access to care because care became virtual. So there was a lot more diagnostic activity happening in the context of it all being home, right? Like, or interacting with care systems a little bit differently. So you're, I mean, you're right. 30 million people is a, it's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And the fact that we don't talk about it and we just kind of treat it as like, you know, this is, and then society like 
you know, puts all that pressure on us to look a certain way, to eat a certain way, to move our bodies for certain outcomes. Like it's hard. And I mean, you know, from when we worked together, when I was um, really in the throes of my own eating disorder, you know, those really challenging behaviors and, and my willingness to kind of let them go. And like where I am now, like, I don't take that lightly the experience that I've had and the journey that I, you know, I'm still on, but even still, like it's, it's a constant like push back against society or rebellion against this. I talk about self care. Obviously that's my main kind of platform is helping folks with self care. And, and that in and of itself is a rebellion, let alone putting all these other pieces onto it makes it even harder. Totally. A million percent. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, the privilege of having a diagnosis mm. versus feeling like I'm just not good at taking care of my body. Or if I just did these things, then I would feel better in my skin or, you know, fit into a wedding dress or like live my best life where a lot of humans might be really commended for like living in the context of extraordinary struggle particularly because as you just said, this is a, I mean, it's really hard to have a body on this planet. We do not, we are not like neutral about body experiences. And because we are not neutral about body experiences, a lot of humans are made to suffer um, without necessarily even knowing that like what's happening is something significant beyond like, I am bad at, whatever kind of self-care I'm trying to interact with. Well, it's so just twisted up in our existence. Like, and mm -hmm. it, it makes us feel like there's something wrong with us. Like now, you know, in a larger body, you know, there's, there's those little moments where, you know, I worry, am I going to be able to sit comfortably in a, in a space? Am I going to have to advocate? And I know that I have a lot of other privileges that allow me to advocate and be strong and be vocal and be loud. And I don't take that lightly either that I have those abilities mm -hmm. with personality and, and whatnot to be able to say, Hey, um, this isn't good for me. I need to sit somewhere else or I need a chair without arms and however that is. And I know that there are people that can't do that. It shouldn't even be a thing. <laughs> and the fact that it's still a thing here in 2023 is just like, it could be exhausting. I, in, in the ways that you are speaking of, I cannot, um, I mean, yes, I will just agree with you in terms of the exhausting nature of some kind of basic humanity things. And I do think it's important, and I appreciate you saying this, privilege, um, like acknowledging privilege doesn't mean that we don't struggle. It doesn't mean that things are not difficult. And I think that a lot of folks get really um, up in arms about the idea of saying these are privileges that I come to the table with and what, you know, what can I do to affect change? So I, you know, I live with most all of the privilege and as a disabled, chronically ill person, I have to tell you, like the last three years have made me feel like a much more disabled, much more chronically ill person because there are still like things going around and the world is open and shouldn't I just like get my shit together and get outside? And I just say, it's so weird. I am so much less disabled in my home than I am outside of my home. And that's probably 
probably, I mean, that, that's not probability. This is not about probability. It is because I certainly have things set up to keep me as comfortable as I possibly can be. And I imagine that your, you know, your house and the places that you go, you set up for comfort and like for, for you and your body. Yeah. And, you know, this world, unfortunately, um, is not excited about the idea of the reality of body diversity. Yeah. Um, and that stinks because we, in fact, live it with diverse bodies. And this is on purpose because science. Yeah. Well, that's actually a really good point. I really thought about that before in that context. But yeah, like at my house, obviously, there's comfortable places to sit. There isn't like a ton of stairs. And I know that I can use the bathroom, like not to be. Oh, and you go, oh, oh, oh please. In this bathroom. <laughs> it is real life. Yeah. It is a real thing. Mm -hmm. So it's so difficult. And, and you know, I always try to to where I can advocate where I can mm -hmm. teach other people to push back. I had a, a colleague recently say to me that they wish she lives in a, in a larger body. And she made a comment to me about, I wish that when I went to a restaurant, the hostess would just look at me and know not to seat me like in a tiny little booth. And I kind of laughed and I was like, if you're going to wait for the hostess to ha have that reality, like, forget it. Like yeah. you say, Hey, can I sit at like, oh, this table doesn't work for me. Do you mind? Or sometimes I'll just cut her off and be like, oh, you know, um, can we not sit at a high top or is a low top? Like whatever where I, I know I'm going to be more comfortable. Mm -hmm. but and I think that is hard. Mm -hmm. And I imagine like this is stuff that takes practice, right? Advocating for basic needs particularly because I'm thinking about the number of humans that I've worked with over the years, like we are, nobody is wanting to be an inconvenience and let me support all of you. Um, and like the world wants our money, wants us to participate in life things. And so advocating for the type of seating that you need when you go out, that's a big deal. Um, and one of my friends just mentioned something about that, that being a struggle for disabled people. And it super duper duper is. So I'm, I'm curious, Teresa, if we can talk about like, what it is you want humans to kind of get out of eating disorder awareness week? Yeah, that they matter and that their struggle is real and valid mm -hmm. that there are people out there that like in medical people, people that we're supposed to be able to trust mm -hmm. that only see us in a certain way that only see us as like something that somebody that needs to lose weight mm -hmm. and that they don't understand that health is so much more complicated than as you used to say, the, your relationship to gravity <laughs> or the number on the scale mm -hmm. and that, you know, there's space for you and take mm -hmm. up space, push back because self-care comes first you have to t attend to your needs yes <laughs> yes 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 and this journey like you know i mean how many i think we worked together in ooh, 2016 15 16 ish that's right so, i mean that's a, that's many years ago and i can remember sitting on the couch in your office pretty broken mm -hmm. and kind of at what i consider to be my my rock bottom where i had gotten so 
just warped up in my disease of my eating disorder. I couldn't even like function. And sometimes even now I've been saying this to you, I'm like, did I really do all that? Like I'll ask my husband and my mom sometimes. I'm like, do you remember that? And of course, both of them are like, um, yes, we do. We were there. Do you remember it? It was as bad as you remember it. But like sometimes, you know, memories are funny like that. And you, you don't necessarily, was I really that sick? Yes. Yes, I was. And now though, looking back, it's just, it's kind of wild. And like, I can kind of pinpoint the pieces in the, the journey where I kind of became okay with different things. Like my body reacted very strongly when I um, started, stopped doing those really destructive behaviors. I mean, my body reacted to save me is what it did. But what that looked like was gaining a lot of weight really quickly, which was really difficult at first, because I just felt like the whole system was failing and that my body was failing me. And I, I can remember just like sitting on the couch and being like, like almost not even able to move because I didn't like understand what was, what was happening and I couldn't accept what was happening and that I was now, you know, my body was changing and what I had fought so hard against is exactly what was now happening. And so, but then getting to the point of accepting that and still feeling strong in my body and beautiful in my body and you know being okay with seeing photographs of my body like that took a long time realizing that you know my my struggle and my my I guess my my style because one of the things you used to always compliment me on is is my style because I mean I that's good earrings and, mm -hmm. and you should see her shoes <laughs> is all I am saying mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know that was part of my identity though and I at first, when I started to gain the weight and realized that being in a larger body was where I was headed and, and that was okay, though I thought I lost that piece of myself and I didn't think I could still be stylish and have my personality and be beautiful in a larger body. And that was that was really hard. And that, that last piece there, that held on for a long time, I would say, until even like the last couple of years. And even recently, I, I did a photo shoot for my brand, Dr. M's Cabaret. And for the first time, I looked at a set of photographs after that shoot, and I was like, damn, I look cute. <laughs> I actually, I love the pictures, but I can remember, you know, uh, my mom doing a photo shoot with me a couple of years ago, and, like, I saw the pictures and immediately was like, nope. Nope, nope. And um, was like, immediately was like, these pictures are terrible. I'm not using any of them. My mother was like, what, is, what do you mean? They're beautiful. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, I was really, really upset. And then I eventually kind of built a bridge and got over it and was like, okay, I need to just take a step back. But that was my initial gut reaction. So this last time having that experience where my first reaction was like, wow, that's me. And I like, that was, was that's huge. That, so that is a huge thing. And is it okay if I if I share a little bit of like I was thinking about our start and you did not come to me because you had an eating disorder I just like I just want to say that like and I appreciate we're having an eating disorder awareness week conversation and to anybody who is watching this or who does watch this if you have a lack of trust in your relationship with food or lack of trust in your relationship with your body I mean, having access to a diagnosis is such a privilege in itself, right? Having someone be able to say, actually, this is, this is not, you are 
you know, bad at food or bad at resting or bad at exercise or whatever. Like this is actually something that is real and valid. Um, I recall being in space with you early and that feeling like even a little bit jarring for you, maybe a little uncomfortable. Um, and I, I hope that everyone who watches this has access to, you know, steadfast community, be it a clinician or otherwise to say, I see you. And this is not this, this, all of this, this is not great. You deserve better. Um, and in speaking about like you looking at pictures, fuck yes, look at pictures. Please, 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 please. Like, I think there is a lot of value in our looking at ourselves. I think there's something about, I have a lot of conversations with clients who have like, I have a good mirror in my guest bathroom, whatever. But like all of the other mirrors in my house are like, mm, these are not, these are not, you know, the good mirrors or the reflection on that like store is great. But the mirror in that store is fucking awful. Um, and the idea that we are skipping over experiences by not looking at pictures. And I'm psyched that you looked at pictures like, damn, look at me, look at me go. That's so cool. And there are going to be times and days and moments where you're going to look at pictures or I'm going to look at pictures or we're all going to look at pictures and be like, mm, yeah, no, that doesn't feel like, I don't feel awesome about that. And also like, my existence is bigger than my, you know, my reflection or my existence is more significant than what I am experiencing by virtue of interacting with this photograph. And I think it's a really gentle reminder because we are about to see a whole slew of before and after pictures, right? That, that well, your face is right, but it is coming, right? You're going to see a bunch of pictures of people who have healed from eating disorders, and this is, I'm not saying this with any sort of judgment, um, because I think there is a difference between healing from an eating disorder in a body that is socially elevated and healing from an eating disorder in a way that does not reflect change. There are some humans for whom recovery doesn't come with a before and after picture because they look really, really similarly it is just a difference in quality of life. It is just a difference in experience of being embodied or interacting with food. I think the before and afters that are about to drop are really, 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 really damaging and really quite scary because social comparison theory says that we are all gonna hook into those things. So if I look at someone who had a struggle with not getting enough food, I'm speaking to you right now, Teresa, um, or whatever, like, and we expect that that struggle looks like some some sort of something. And then look, this person healed and they healed into a body that is socially elevated still. We have to recall, right, approximately 6% of the humans that experience eating disorders actually live with the stereotypical picture of what we might have in our mind's eye of what an eating disorder looks like. That is not to minimize the significance of that small percentage of humans. And 
it is to say that most people who struggle with eating disorders don't look any differently from anybody else. There isn't some physical feature that says, oh, that's an eating disorder or, oh, that's family stress or, oh, that's an illness, whatever. And so being really, really thoughtful about how we navigate these next days as pictures are going to be shared, are going to be shown. Um, I am, many, many years ago, I, at the very beginning of my life on Instagram, there was a picture of a woman who posted her, her a picture of her body on a beach doing this like ballet pose where she was grabbing the back of her, like one of her legs was over her head and she was grabbing it with her arms. And in retrospect, I can feel badly about this, but I actually made a post. I like, I, you know, reshared or whatever, what, I don't know what, what it's called, but I posted it. And I, I said, like, just so everyone knows this picture of privilege, this person on a beach who clearly has like years of dance under her belt. This is not, this is not what recovery looks like and she messaged me and said this is really really hurtful i can't believe you shared this picture of myself i feel really proud of the work that i have done so i would never do that in the present moment except it's just really important to me that everyone here knows that the moment we start thinking eating disorders have a particular look or recovery has a particular look we are uh, like ignoring the majority of humans who experience eating disorders. Yeah, really important point. You said a lot of really important points, but yeah, and, and go, just going back when we first started working together, I mean, I, I described that time period as um, like my world kind of shattered. Everything I thought, no, no, but like in such a good way. Everything. <laughs> everything I'm not really, I'm not really sorry. <laughs> like everything I thought, like I knew about health, and fitness and exercise and body size and fatness and like you know I have folks in my family have struggled with weight like so I just had all these things ingrained and generational trauma passed down and all these good things like and in such a short time that got shattered and I was ready though for that shattering oh, yeah, you were and, and I remember like sitting with you and being like you know you kind of telling me but like and me recognizing and you holding that space for me to be able to say yeah this is exercise bulimia this is disordered eating and this is anorexia and even though my body never looked like i was sick um in that way which is just so because i was very sick but people like nobody would have known like and even those closest to me um i was able to hide things because it didn't look that stereotypical way and i even had recently um bragged to me about their um that they just started doing an intentional weight loss program like oh i was like oh i don't i don't believe in those and i started to i didn't think i said a couple other things and they just kind of looked at me quizzically and i said um you know i said i'm actually in recovery for an eating disorder total like shock on their face well which one mm. that matters and so i did answer them and i said yeah well um 
uh, a, a three of them actually, if you'd really want to know. And so I said exercise, bulimia, disordered eating, and anorexia. The anorexia one definitely got like eyes bugged out of the head. And I could tell like, you know, they kind of looked at my body today and were like, but you don't look like you had anorexia. They didn't say it. They certainly were trying not to be rude. And, um, but I was just kind of, I just kind of smiled and I was like, yep. And then like walked away and I'm thinking, I know that person wanted to ask maybe some additional questions. They were very curious. Um, and I could, I could smell the, um, you know, the, their own experience and their own bias that they have. They were like, how does she had anorexia? Right. right. <laughs> and I think that that is like a really important something to say because the, the majority of humans who have eating disorders are not humans who live, as I said before, are not humans who live in small bodies, like period. We yeah. are, the majority of humans who live, who live with eating disorders live in normal, I don't even like saying normal, but like normal or higher weight body sizes as a norm. Yeah. And starvation does not have a look. So someone just said something about the diagnosis of atypical anorexia. There is nothing atypical about anorexia in larger body sizes. In fact, it is more common. It's just not pathologized because folks in larger bodies are rewarded for being, or for being on like the voyage to consistently be smaller and consistently work to like, with quotations around it, like work to improve their health by virtue of making themselves small. Yeah. And and the risks of anorexia nervosa are unilateral across the board. It doesn't matter if this is a small person or a person that is large. Yeah. It, the risks are exactly the same. And I'm super psyched that you had the ability to say that you are a person that is in recovery from an eating disorder. And you're not, you're probably not wrong that there might be a little bit of like, hmm, you're like, a strange creature in the museum. Help me understand what is it? What is it about you? Who told you that, Teresa? Um, and like one, fuck that. Um, and two, I'm so psyched that you're in a place that you're able to, you know, speak to your realities. And it's not the. I think the really hard thing, right? Because diet culture is so loud and inundates everything. So when people are talking about their desire to, you know, intentionally lose weight, leading with compassion first, like, yeah, you make that, that makes sense. I don't want you to have a hard, a harder time on this planet. I imagine, I don't know what it is like to experience oppression by virtue of my body size, my multi-generational thin privilege, not what I eat or my level of fitness or whatever has anything to do with anything except like, except for the fact that I have thin people in my family, right? Like I come from a line of people in thin bodies. The fact that I am not particularly active doesn't like it. I have never been shamed for my body in the, in the context of being chronically ill. And there are people who have my same illness, who are shamed for being in larger bodies because they also have, it's just like, it's so fucked. And so thinking about like minimizing eating disorder struggle by virtue of body size, these are conversations that happen one at a time, 
right? Like shattering the stereotype that eating disorders have a look, this will be my mission, you know, forever. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, what got me to you and, and finally realizing that I, I knew I like needed help, but what I actually thought in, in finding you was that you just like, give me the secret. I thought you had the secret and you were going to just tell me like, okay, like that you need to eat like X, Y, and Z and you're going to be fine. Like, that's actually what I was <laughs> hoping for. Well, cause I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know. And I had had some really fortunate experiences in the medical field um, shortly before coming to see you because you needed the, I needed a referral for my primary care and I changed primary care because mm -hmm. of my job and I ended up at this new practice. And I think back to that woman, she was a nurse practitioner and my goodness, I went to her and, you know, I went to see the doctor because I wanted the referral to work with you specifically. And they, this, I, I disclosed to this woman all what I had been doing, everything every detail, every restrictive, bad practice that I was doing, which was, you know, in pretty graphic detail, I was like, you know what, I need to tell somebody, I need to tell a medical professional, because I feel like I need help. I was, it was spiraled out of control. I had tried new fad diets that I was, you know, I tried keto was one of my last ones, where I'm like frying cheese and like eating bacon. And I'm like, this is, and putting butter in my coffee. I'm like, this cannot be like a thing. Like, I, I don't even know what this is now at this point. And like, had lost all control over just managing everything. And the medical professional, the nurse practitioner, she was like, after I told her all these things, she looked at me and she goes, wow and you still can't lose the weight because mm -hmm. i still was at that point you know at a at a at a weight that i guess i don't know she felt was not appropriate i should have been thinner even at that and i was like uh yeah and then she says to me too bad there's not a fat pill or something you could take i almost fell off the chair at that point i was like this person is this am i being punked right now mm -hmm. and thank god I had the ability and the wherewithal and the strength to be like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I, I didn't listen to her because if I had listened to that woman, God knows where that would have spiraled me off to or right. what I would have attempted to at that point in terms of modifying my body or anything like that. I knew she was wrong. Thank God in that moment. And I was like, listen, like I just need this referral. And then if you remember, she was like, oh, well, we have a, I don't know, some sort of clinic. In -house stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. They wanted me to do some other program. And mm -hmm. I was like, I remember sending, I remember telling you the program being like, oh, I don't know, they're recommending this thing. Like I still haven't gotten the referral yet because we were kind of in those early stages of trying to get everything in order so we could actually start meeting. And you were like, um, I have never heard um, of this place that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. so like, no. <laughs> and then I kept pushing and I actually think I switched PCPs. I like, you did. Went, then went to somebody else who I, and like, luckily that person, although they did give me some incredibly bad advice, it wasn't as bad. And he wrote the referral. So we were able to move forward. But if I hadn't been able to do that, I think back to that and I'm like, what? God knows what that woman, what those comments would have sent me on. And I, I mean, you, you were ready to receive that input and say, this is fucked. Like, back the back up this is inappropriate i'm not comfortable with this and no um and that is not the reality for everybody which i think is so important to just say out loud 
you might not be in a place where you are ready or able to advocate for yourself in that sort of way with medical professionals. And I think us medical professionals, like I take myself seriously, but I also, I've learned so much about the importance of taking myself down off of like the expert pedestal because my clients are the experts of their, of their bodies and their body experiences. And there is so much medical gaslighting that happens because, I mean, doctors and nurse practitioners and all of us are trained in very, very fat phobic systems and fat body oppressive system systems yeah. that's, I mean, it's like white supremacist racist bullshit that is all, you know, rolls together into fat body hate. And then we stop seeing people for like things beyond body size it would be it mm, my life's goal is to put myself out of a job <laughs> the american academy of pediatrics saying that bariatric surgery and weight loss for babies is a great idea so yeah. I'll, i will always have a job but i would yeah. really love to not have a job sometime <laughs> yeah i guess i'm trying to put myself out of a job too mm -hmm. i want everybody to care of themselves and advocate and put their needs Amen. first push back against this oppressive society that is just bull bullshit. It's all bullshit. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'll swear on Instagram. <laughs> if not, uh, well, no, you can, you can, it won't. Uh, I have tested that many, many times over the years. You can swear on Instagram. Um, and I think probably this will close caption and it will, um, leap out the words but maybe not yeah. whatever um this is a really important conversation to be having and i now i need to confirm if um eating disorder awareness week in the states is in fact this week i think that it is um i know that there's eating disorder awareness a week that happens in europe and is kind of cele celebrated at a different time <sighs> i need to find out Know, we're gonna have to confirm yeah. that for sure yeah. <laughs> but like i said again it every day should be eating disorder awareness because it's so important and so many people struggle and, and thinking about the journey too you know my mom lives in a larger body and I'm, i have a very close relationship to my mom and sometimes i think she feels bad because she thinks back to like the behaviors i was doing and she thought those were normal. Like, what the hell did she know? She, so, you know, to then now talk about it, and it's funny, so a couple of years ago, what I'm getting at is, so her experience is very different than mine. She always was in a larger body. I did have thin privilege for many years up until I was about 17, when all of a sudden my body started to change. And then that's when the, the cycle really began. But um, the, uh, so my mom, you know, she's always been larger. So she's had that really, and she had some really unfortunate circumstances as a child. I was telling her about the pediatric association recently. And she goes, you know, if that, if bariatric surgery had been recommended to her mother, for her as a kid, she might have had it. And, um, you know, certainly grew up in a different time period and, and there are, you know, more advocacy and things happening now, whatever. Anyway, so a couple summers ago, I remember seeing my mom and she was, you know, I was kind of further along in my healing journey and she was talking about kind of where she was. And I finally, I turned around to her and I said, you're now ready for intuitive eating. Like you're now ready to start embodying these practices. And I remember that being like 
such an important moment, like in, even in our relationship. And she just kind of looked at me and I was like, yep, like you weren't ready before. Now you're ready. And, and she'll even say it now that like, you know, it's still a journey and, and she's still on learning things, you know, and she's in her sixties and, and she's kind of figuring it out too. But like, she had to get to that place where she could be now ready to hear this. <laughs> what a cool gift to be able to give to your mom. It was cool. And like, I tell her all the time that like, you know, by us doing the work, we're helping to heal that generational trauma. Amen. Like my grandma and my, Amen. My great and even, you know, my dad and everybody in my family who has struggled because this has been certainly generational for sure. My family. That is huge. That is huge. That is huge. Pass it on to everyone. <laughs> That's the hope. That's what we're mm -hmm. going to yeah. 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 And a lot of my work, although I'm not a dietitian or, um, but I share my experience always. I always tell people and, you know, nutrition and hydration is part of uh self-care like you have to eat you have to function um mm -hmm. so but i always put that extra spin on it and um one more i'll tell you a funny story i was given a presentation on self-care one time to a group of teachers and it was virtual and um somebody some woman i did the like um no bad foods uh, mm -hmm. kind of thing talking about that and somebody accidentally unmuted themselves and so now I had a group of people and the woman was like, I heard her and she goes, oh, on uh, no bad foods. Like, what is this? I got to listen to this woman who like, I was like, whoops. So in that moment, whoops. I was with a choice. I was like, like, do I pretend I didn't hear that? Or do I, I take the opportunity to educate? I'll let you I, take it. I know what you did. As to which one I chose, mm -hmm. but I went at it. And I, I was like, oops, I think somebody accidentally unmuted themselves. But since I heard that comment, allow me to pause and let's go back for just a moment. Let's rewind. So I kind of went into like the whole thing. By the end of it, people were in the chat like, we have a superintendent position opened. I work in a, in a school. I'm an educational administrator. People were like, they were offering me jobs by the end of the mm -hmm. <laughs> And that woman actually did apologize at the end. But I was like, oh, man. And, and you know, in that moment, like I felt the, the anxiety and I was like, oh, like, oh my God, do I just let this go? No, we don't, we don't just let that go. <sighs> what a beautiful thing. That is so friggin' awesome. It Not surprising. Like I was like, you know, and I, I can still even like feel my body, that reaction in that moment of being like, uh oh, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but no, we, we went for it and I'll never, ever not share my story. Yeah. If it's gonna, if it's gonna help people. Yeah. I mean, that's, I asked you if we could jump on today. I'm like, yeah. I want to, to help people, you know, so let's share this, let's mm -hmm. amplify the story. Let's really promote self-care because it is so important. Absolutely. And it's part of it. Absolutely it is. Thanks so much, Teresa, for sharing of yourself. I'm so grateful that we were able to have this brief chat. I would love to keep this like an open dialogue. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love you and all the work you're doing and just continuing to help people. And we need more people talking about these things. And, and if people want to follow me as a result and yes, follow, follow uh, Dr. MK, Dr. MC, Do sorry. MC, sorry. I, I actually had it. Mm, Dr. MC. Okay. Well, I, no, I know you, I know your last names. I, 
Melita O'Connor. So, mm -hmm. I'm, but I have my PhD in educational leadership, and my main area of study was helping people practice self care and piece of it being okay in your body, practicing self-compassion, figuring out just how you function as a human and, and how you show up in the world is such a huge piece of it. And we need more of this because society sucks and we need to make it better. <laughs> and we can. We can. One baby conversation at a time. Yeah, for sure. And but MK, I so briefly, MK was actually one of my graduate professors. Doctor, so yeah, she had a PhD. It was an MK. Like she went by. That's how I referred to her. Oh my god! And and you, you know, you were on your adventure to getting a PhD the entire time that we have known each other, and now you have a PhD yeah. and you're doing all of the stuff. Yeah. So well, I'm saying to you too, when I started that journey, I was afraid I was going to gain more weight, mm -hmm. and I remember like, okay, so now you have to help me, like, make sure I don't gain weight, and you were like, huh? That's not. That's not like these were the early. The early conversation <laughs> you know, like, evolution of healing the evolution of, it has been a journey and i think it's important though to honor that and to recognize that and to share it like i don't want people being like oh like you know look at her like she's got it all together everything's great like <laughs> not by a long shot like this was a journey and that journey is important totally and i don't think i don't i think we need to get away from kind of destination anything right like everything may everything be a journey may everything be an opportunity for continued learning and increased self-knowing um the world is going to always be screwed up right around food and around body stuff and self-care is a privilege and not not a privilege afforded to everybody and i think we can get away from the idea of self-care being about like manicures and pedicures are really nice and if you're not getting like your maslow's hierarchy of needs like bottom line food fluid some degree of community reproduct like safety those things are not in place asking yourself to um you know excel as a human not to suggest that people don't excel as a human when they're not not meeting those basic needs. And oftentimes, I mean, I'm literally talking to a person who was meeting none of those basic needs and was excelling at the same time. Um, <laughs> like you can excel more. Like the, the point is not always being excellent. And if you are not meeting basic needs, you could do better and you could feel better. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I feel so much better than <gasps> when. I, so much better. Like I'm not obsessed. Oh my God! I don't know how I time to do anything else. Like to even think, because I was so obsessed about every calorie and every movement, what I was gonna burn, and like, oh my God! Like, no, it's life is so much better now. Yay! You don't Yay! Talk, you don't talk. And Jeff agrees. So this is perfect. And my mom agrees. Perfect. Manny probably talk about it, the self-care cabaret because that is not the real definition of self-care. Can we a no? Amen. Manny Petties, but that's not the real definition of self-care. Correct, Mundo. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, thanks so much, Teresa. Have a lovely, lovely rest of your weekend. I don't know if you're taking... Actually, you're at school, so do you have this week off? I have school vacation. Woo! <laughs> okay. I do not, but enjoy yourself. Thank um, you. Okay. I'll talk to you very soon. Bye. Thanks, Teresa. Bye, everybody. Bye.